0: This weekend, we were so excited to be able to have a very successful seminar with Pastor Rick Ives uh, leading that. Uh, it's called First Steps, and it simply has to do with learning to d- bring uh, brand new believers to establish them in the faith and to walk them through those early first Uh, three months of their walk with Jesus. So we had a training seminar yesterday. Rick Ives led that successfully. We had about 23, 24 people that completed that. We're really excited about our taking a step forward in discipling people for Jesus, both in a foundational way as well as ongoing. That was our primary reason for Rick being in town, but I was just delighted that he could come because he's a good friend. Uh, I was blessed many, many years ago, and I won't date it, uh, but uh, many, many years ago, uh, I had the privilege of ordaining him into full-time ministry, and uh, he has served the Lord in many capacities, including a missionary to Russia, is responsible for having planted and reached uh, reached thousands and planted many churches in Russia, and still leads an organization called Russians Reaching Russians. In addition to that, he's an associate pastor with Fellowship Church in uh, Springfield, Ohio, where he leads the Saturday night service and other uh, functions. Uh, He is also the president of First Steps, which is a discipleship-based ministry. Uh, Beyond that, I said, look, if you're going to be here over the weekend, come and please share with our body. And uh, Rick is, uh, as I said, a close friend. I have the utmost confidence in his ability to share God's word accurately and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So I'm going to ask that you would open your hearts as we give a warm, warm Riverbend welcome to Pastor Rick Ives. Please come, Pastor. Bless you, my friend. Good Good
1: morning. It's great to see you. It's great to see old friends, some people in this room I haven't seen in 13 years. Um... Others brand new, it's great. Now, when I used to work, I've I've had the distinction of working for Bobby twice in my life. Explains the lack of hair that I have today. (laughs) But um, the second time I worked for Pastor Bobby was at New Life. Hey, Brent. And uh, I was a a lead pastor of the Saturday Night Congregation. And it's always been a pleasure to... to work with, and to work for Pastor Bobby. And to be back here today is just just a fabulous thing. Now, I do have a small issue. Now, I knew Jason Upton very well when he was going to region or whatever, and he was part of our circle. And I don't know why he gets the whole service and I get 30 minutes. <laughs> I mean, I can sing. <laughs> I, I can sing Pharaoh, Pharaoh with the best of them. But I guess we're not going there, so I'll just say hello from my wife, Heather. Some of you know Heather. She's back in Ohio in the snow, and uh, she's a worship leader at our church. She's homeschool teacher and administrator for the senior pastor of my church, administrator for the worship pastor, my administrator, administrator for the adult education ministry, and the missions trips coordinator. So as my boss likes to tell me, Rick, you'll never get fired because we don't want to lose your wife. My daughter, and some of you will have a hard time believing this, will be 18 in June, Anastasia, and she is at IHOP doing an internship. She comes back in about three weeks, and she's planning to move to the southern Philippines as a full-time missionary just as soon as she can get there. Um, your pastor, who is a, a dear friend of mine, I consider him a spiritual father. Uh, I will put a date on it. We met back in 1988. In Austin Texas and I was just coming out of the business world and and he took a chance on me ordained myself and and we've been working together ever since and we did have a great day yesterday um, teaching people how to take brand new believers and disciple them because 70 to 80 percent of new believers come into the church and are gone within three months and we know how to fix that. It's called the Great Commission. And if you can get to a new believer and, and build a foundation, there's a really good chance not only will they stay in the church, but they'll go on to become leaders, they'll bring people in your church. So, so you'll get to hear a lot more about that in the days ahead, I'm sure. And I always like to start at this point by just giving God the glory, because not only did he rescue me from a life of alcoholism and and prison, and being stabbed and shot, and all that fun stuff that I went through. But uh, four years ago, I was diagnosed with throat cancer, uh, told I would never talk again, uh, told I'd pr- I may very well die, and uh, well, I'm, I'm up here talking. I'm preaching the gospel, and I didn't die. And I just like to give God the glory for that, I, I, and, and, and medicine, because that's the way he chose to heal me. But um, I am a blessed man, and if I can do anything good today, it's because of his goodness in my life to you. And I want to talk today about being satisfied. Paul, I think, is just this great model for us of being satisfied when he says things like, I know what it's like to be content regardless of the circumstances. And that's really satisfaction. I think satisfaction and joy are almost... Synonymous words. I don't know people who are joyful who aren't also satisfied, or people who are satisfied who also don't have a great measure of joy in their life. Uh, Joy is different than happiness. Happiness can change like that when your team who was winning the game all of a sudden is losing the game and you're no longer happy. Okay? But joy is a steady state. The joy of the Lord is our strength. I picture satisfaction and joy, like on the seventh day when God looked around and said, it's all just the way I wanted it, and he sat down for a a rest. Satisfaction, he wasn't worried about little things. And what I want to show you today is joy for Christians comes through other people. It comes through our interactions with other people. It comes through, obviously, being led by the Spirit, but working with other people, and that takes me back to Paul, who said all the time, rejoice. And if you look at Paul's life, he was all about people. And he was all about traveling to people and discipling people and preaching the gospel. It says some, you know, Here's a man on a mission, and it says sometimes he'd stay somewhere as long as three years to hang out with people. And later in his life, he said some things about, how he got to have joy. And this is in Philippians 4. I'm going to read this, and we're going to look basically just at the first several verses of Philippians chapter 4. He writes, Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and my crown. And I want you to remember that word, joy. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved, rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be made known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Can okay, can hear amen to that. And then in 9. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Now we'll look at these more closely, but keep in mind this is written by a man, Paul, obviously led by the Holy Spirit, who talked about joy all the time, even though he often was in pretty bad circumstances. And this man who talks about joy is the same man who says, I've learned to be content in any circumstance. In other words, we see in Paul's life a direct connection between satisfaction and joy and joy and satisfaction. So I want to ask you this question today, and it's not to be contentious. It's not because you're a relatively young church. But my question is, are you satisfied with your church? Are you satisfied with your church? Now, I'm from a different church. I see people here I know from other churches. There's visitors from other churches, so I'm not just talking about this room. I'm asking, are you satisfied with your church? And Paul was a person who knew how to rejoice at all times, regardless of the circumstances. And Paul was a big church person. And by big church, I don't mean the size of the church. He, he, he felt the church was extremely important. He traveled to start churches. He raised up leaders to plant churches. He said things like, I always want to go places where there are no churches so I can help start new churches. So even though we often correctly think of him as a traveling missionary and evangelist, he was also a church guy. And he writes to people in churches, and he trained leaders. And this is a guy who just loved the church. So As we read his travels, his sufferings, his victories, frame it within the viewpoint of a person who is all about the church. And I'll show you in a moment, not only was he all about the church, but when he said that he's a joyful person, his joy came from the church. And I want you to see that because it doesn't matter if you're a Paul or not. We all have our role. You can have the joy of the Lord if you'll allow it to come in through the church. And I want to show you that as we go along today. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever met somebody who was on the one hand full of joy and on the other hand dissatisfied with their church? I haven't. You find somebody who's full of joy, they're going to be happy in their church. You find somebody who's really happy in their church, they're probably going to be full of joy. Because the two go together. And the teaching of God's word is that we should be content and satisfied wherever we are, regardless of the circumstances. And that's tough in our society, because a lot of us don't like that. But, but my secondary question, because if you, if you went to a lot of churches and did a, a, a confidential survey and said, are you satisfied with your church? A lot of people would say, probably not in this room, but a lot of people would say, no, I'm not. And I'm here to tell you that most of those people, they're not really dissatisfied with their church. There's something else going on. There's something else going on. So again, therefore, my brothers, and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. That's the first verse that I'm repeating. So Paul's writing to people in the city of Philippi. Joy comes from people that you have relationship with. You have relationship with people through discipling them, through hanging out with them, through fellowshipping, through traveling, going on missions trips, serving in the church. And Paul writes here to brothers and sisters that he had hung out with. But these people are far more than just brothers and sisters. Now, I like the fact that Christians can call one another brothers and sisters because I'm terrible with names. (laughs) So I have the safeguard. And I I can look at you, and and believe me, I can forget your name from yesterday. But it doesn't matter because I can just call you brother or sister. But it really meant something to Paul. Because Paul is basically saying, you're not just my brothers and sisters you are people I've preached to, I've taught, I've discipled, I've witnessed to, you've gone with me on missionary journeys, we've started churches, we've been in jail together, we've been whipped, we've been shipwrecked, we've performed miracles together. In other words, he says, you are my joy. I mean, That's what he says right there. Now here's the man who, chained up in Roman prisons, would say, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Why? Because he had that body of experience of being with the people of God and serving with the people of God. And that filled him with joy, and that joy enabled him to be content even when his circumstances were about the worst they could be. Now, we know that's not the American cultural teaching that we get today. And I don't wish prison and all that stuff on anybody, but I believe if we would follow Paul's simple formula to be with people and to love people and to serve with people, we'd start to know a whole lot of joy in the church of Jesus Christ. The amazing statement that you are my joy. Just let that sink in for a moment. You know, and what he's saying is joy doesn't come from following a bunch of rules. No, nothing wrong with good rules but how many times have you had to follow 19 rules and it just made you really full of joy? I'm so happy. I'm so happy I was restricted today. Come on, let's face it. Now, Pastor Bobby said, I've been working in Russia for 26 years now, and when we first went in there, there were no churches like we would recognize, so we worked with the underground Pentecostal churches. Wonderful people. But because they had been suppressed for 75 years, they had become very legalistic. And I don't criticize them because I don't know what it's like to have to hide for 75 years, but that was the end result. They loved Jesus, but they were incredibly legalistic and judgmental. And I would go to these meetings. This is back in 1992, and we had to teach them how to do open-air meetings because they had only done meetings in hiding. And we would watch people come forward And I I can remember to this day a a Russian woman who would come to the front and one of the Pentecostal brothers would take her over to the side and say the first thing you need to do now that you're saved is cover your head. Now I have nothing against covering heads if that's what the church believes but that's the first thing you need to do? First, Christ just saved you from, from hell and the first thing you need to do is put something on your head. They have churches that because of that legalism, wash feet every week. Imagine having to have your stinky, smelly old feet on display every single week. Some people don't like to do it once in their whole lifetime. One pastor, wonderful man. his name was Vasily, I love him. Haven't seen him in years and he told me, in an honest moment this is all through an interpreter he said, "You know, my dad was a pastor too in the underground church. We weren't allowed to play chess. Now, we think the Russians is playing chess. I said, why? He said, well, that, that's from the devil. And then he, he gave me this really sly look. He had a big smile. He said, but i let my son play it anyway. Because <laughs> I knew it wasn't really from the devil. <clears throat> but how many of you would agree that stuff, it makes for a great sermon illustration, but it doesn't bring any joy? Now, my most horrible moment was when I found out, much to my surprise, that Russian male Pentecostals take literally the admonition to greet one another with a holy kiss, and they would whack me right on my lips. I didn't know what to do. Fortunately, I learned a quick technique. So if you're ever in a situation like that, especially if you're as tall as me, when, when you see them coming those lips are puckering, you just reach out, grab their head, and pull it to your chest. They, they can kiss my shirt all day, and then off they go. So they only got away with one kiss to this guy, believe me. But you'll know, like this. I took Grant to one. I didn't warn him. Oh, my gosh. He was scarred for life. Now, I want you to know these Russian Pentecostals I'm talking about, I love these people. But that kind of stuff just does not generate much joy. And I believe if you don't have much joy, there's no way you can have much satisfaction. And if you can't have much satisfaction, you you just can't sit down and really analyze what God's doing in your life and see the next step. So catch this, if you will. Paul was joyful. Because he had people in the world that he worked with, and that he discipled, and he had fruit. And that's what we're called to do. Go and make fruit that lasts, and then my Father in heaven will grant you whatever you ask for in my name. So what about us? I travel a lot. I'm blessed that way. I travel to a lot of countries, and I recognize Everywhere I go, and I think particularly in America, that many Christians don't have a lot of joy. Uh, My former pastor, and I said this yesterday, Pastor John Hagee, would say, most American Christians look like they've been baptized in pickle juice. Okay? Now, what kind of witness is that? When Paul teaches that you will have joy and peace when you have fruit. So Paul is saying, you know, you're my joy because I've had fruit among you. We, we've done things together. We, we, we've started churches. We've preached the gospel. We've discipled. We've done things together. And that gives me great joy. Now, as you sit there and start to say, I wonder if I am having a lot of fruit in my church personally. I wonder, if am I discipling people? Am I witnessing? Am I, am I sharing my faith and all that stuff? And if you start to say to yourself, you know what, no, and no, and no, then I'll bet you don't have a lot of joy. Now, the good news is you can change that today. God's not heaping up a list of sins against you. He's just waiting for you to break through and move forward. But the church kind of gets paralyzed when we don't have any joy. Because what does does Scripture say? The joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. I think joy is a consistent attitude, not a temporary high based on feelings. I'm all for being happy. Don't get me wrong, but to me it's not the same thing as joy. Now I live in Ohio, home of the national champion Ohio State Buckeyes. <clears throat> Not to be proud. But let me tell you something. I've lived in Indiana, where basketball is religion. I've lived in Texas, where football is religion. And I've lived in Ohio, where football is the mother of all religions. And people get really excited about this. But I can tell you, I've, I've had the opportunity to go to a couple Buckeye games. The tickets are hard to get and very expensive. But when I say joy, I'm not talking about the drunk guy behind you at a football game who's screaming and yelling for his team because they're winning. Because in 30 seconds, the score could reverse, and he's going to go from happy to totally morose. And that's not joy. Joy is an inner strength. James says, be joyful even in the midst of problems. Joy is that confidence I have that, Even though tomorrow may be a terrible day, I'm still okay with God. I'm still filled with the Spirit. I still know that greater is He who's in me than the one who's in the world. I'm on my way to heaven. I'm an overcomer. That's the kind of joy that I think the church needs. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, again... A lot of people don't have that joy because they just don't feel like they've ever reached out and impacted somebody for Christ, which is a great feeling, by the way. But you can. Verse 6, and this is one of my life verses, and that's something we taught yesterday in the seminar. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. This verse speaks peace. It says, don't worry. I mean, I don't like it, but worry is a sin. Joyful people are peaceful people. That speaks to gentleness. Guys, gentleness doesn't mean being a wimp. You know that being... Humble doesn't mean being a wimp. You know that the root words for humble and humility refer to an extremely strong individual who has chosen to submit himself or herself. It actually speaks of great strength of character to be gentle and to be humble. And I have found when I'm gentle with people, I get a lot more favor, I get a lot more done, and my marriage goes a whole lot better. Because my wife has learned a trick. I don't know who taught her this. It's not in the Bible. The moment I raise my voice, she leaves the room. It drives me crazy. And I'll yell at her, where are you going? I'm mad at you. And bang, she's gone. And I'm like, oh, she did it again. And now, I can't approach her until I calm down and get gentle. But then once I get gentle, it works, you know? Gentle word turns away wrath. Gentle people are joyful people. Joyful people are satisfied people. Satisfied people are gentle people. And the source is having fruit in your life by working with your brothers and sisters in the church because as we taught yesterday, you will never know a greater feeling than when God works through you to impact the life of another person. That's truth. That's absolute truth. That's the greatest high in the world. Now, are we satisfied with our church? I remember uh, being a pastor back here and working for Pastor Bobby, pastoring the Saturday night service, and I was so excited uh, because the, I had just recently been appointed to that, so I was getting to preach every week and build the leadership teams and do everything that had to happen for Saturday night. I had some great volunteers, and, and we were doing really well. And there was a young couple in the church. Uh, they, didn't, they don't have any children, as I remember, and they were big servants. They were helping. They were there every week. They were great. And one night they walked up to me and said, Pastor Rick, this is our last night. We're leaving. So I figured, okay, they're moving. I said, well, what's up? They said, well, we're disenchanted with the church. I'm like, that had never happened to me before. I had a silly notion that I'd never have that problem. And I said, well, well, you're here every week. You love the church. What's wrong? And they said, this is funny because it it does happen to involve Bobby. (laughs) But I, I just preach what God gives me. And they literally said to me, because this is years ago, and I remember it, because it still almost knocks me over when I hear it. They said, well, we heard that the senior pastor has built a new house with a swimming pool. And that's ungodly. We're out of here. And they were gone that night. Now, I don't even know or remember if they had built a new house. I don't know if he's ever had a swimming pool. I could care less. If God blesses them with something like that, I think that's wonderful. But I was in shock. I'm like, are swimming pools a sin issue? <laughs> I mean, Do you not want your pastor to have a nice place to live? So I, I, w- I was just so in shock, but I realized after contemplating, that wasn't the reason they left. There was something else. That, that was just a the story they used. And now, having pastored for more than 25 years, I realize that probably 9 out of 10 times when somebody leaves the church, I never hear the real story because people won't tell us. All I know is that something has happened, and they have become dissatisfied. And it may very well have to do with me not meeting their expectations. The problem is they never told me their expectations. And it's really hard to meet expectations when you don't know what they are. How to just be satisfied? Because, see, I think a, a great church is, is not so much about the music style, although I like this music style, or how good the worship is, because that's kind of up to God to judge that, or how great the preaching was, because, again, how, how, how do we even analyze that, or how big's your church, or what denomination, or what version of the Bible you use? To me, a great church is one where people come together, they're called together to do something for God, and they do it with all their heart. Now, they're going to make mistakes, but that's a great church. And that could be 30 people or 10,000. And we see that because in Ephesians, Paul writes, and we're all very familiar with this, Jesus himself gave some to be apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Very simply, people like me and Bobby and others of you who are in this room, our job is to train you how to do all the work. So you're the church. Now, yes, we are too. But it's you we're training to do the work. So when I talk about a great church, I'm talking about the people in the church and the way they're going. It may take a pastor or a prophet to guide or to teach, but it's really you guys who are marching and fulfilling the calling of the church and building joy and building satisfaction. At least that's my belief. So I think the question is really not, and believe me, if you're going to a church that's in sin, just get out of it. Don't worry about being satisfied at that church, leave. But that's not what I'm talking about here. Are are you really not satisfied with your church, or is it possible you're not satisfied with God? Or is it possible you're not satisfied with your relationships? Or is it possible you're not satisfied with yourself? Because if you don't have a level of peace in those categories, there's not a church in the world that's going to make you happy. Are you satisfied with your God? Well, who is your God? Is it the God of the Bible or one that you've made up? Because people make up their own gods, even, even good Christians. They make up gods that wink at sin. Now, a fake god can be very convenient, but he'll never satisfy. If you went out tomorrow and spent $10 million and bought the Mona Lisa and brought it to your house and found out it was a fake You'd never be satisfied for one second looking at that thing. Because it's not the real thing. Even though it looks like it. To me, it's like drinking decaf coffee. I mean, that's like kissing your sister. Why bother? There's no satisfaction there. But the real God will challenge you and push you, but he'll satisfy. Okay? Your relationships. Well, quite frankly, wives are to respect their husbands. Husbands are to lay down their lives for their wives and serve them. Children are to obey their parents. Young people are to respect old people. Men are to honor women. We are to speak well of one another, and we are to reject things that are wrong, and we are not to gossip or believe lies about each other. Those kinds of relationships, even if we get deceived once in a while, will bring satisfaction. And with yourself, I hate this because America's full of self haters. And you know what? God has a much higher opinion of you than you probably do. He says to you, Child, I have redeemed you, I have called you by name. And when you pass through the water, you won't drown, and when you pass through the fire, you won't be burned, for I am with you. He calls you sons and daughters and friends and more than conquerors. And I know there's people in this room, and even as a Christian, you, you, you think that God can't forgive you. Well, I have a prophetic word for you. He already has. Well, God can never accept me. He did on the cross. Well, God can never use me. Well, if you get up and take two steps forward, he'll use you. It's all about are you happy with yourself or satisfied with yourself, with your relationships, with your God. If you get that all together, you're probably going to love your church. If if God moves you to another church, that's fine. But I think it's a no-brainer to say if you don't like yourself, you won't like other people, and since the church is other people, you won't like your church, you won't have joy, you won't have satisfaction, then you'll start all over. So again, real joy, peace might elude you, but the good news is God does love you just the way you are, and you can decide right now to accept that, to become all God's intended for you to be, and when you lay a good foundation, and it's never too late to rebuild your foundation, by the way, your relationships will start to heal, your relationship with God will have new strength, you'll start to see fruit, and you'll be able to stand up in a short time I believe and say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? Amen. That's truth. And whatever you've heard, whatever you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. Paul's telling people, Paul's not saying, follow me. He's saying, if you see God at work in me, follow me. So final question, who are you following? Who are you following? I mean, we're sheep. We are to follow Jesus. We are to get into a church where we feel like we can follow our pastor. We are to follow the authority figures in our life that we believe God has put there. Who do you follow? Who do you serve? Which gospel do you believe? How do you treat your spouse and your children and your friends, and are you even at peace with yourself? What's your attitude towards your church and pastors and elders and the people you sit by each week? And are you bearing fruit or are you barren of fruit because friends i believe the best days of your life are yet to come and i don't mean heaven although obviously that's going to be better i mean in heaven we're all going to look like me <laughs> i mean what what more could you be looking for <laughs> oh lord i'm not talking about heaven jesus said the thief comes only to kill steal and destroy he's talking about today but i today have come to give you life and life more abundantly i can t- i just want to encourage this church because now it's young and i know it has such great potential and i've seen bobby pastor churches for 28 years now and i know this church has tremendous potential to do great things for god but i want to encourage you your satisfaction And your joy and your peace is directly related to the people you want to get out there and impact. And the people that you're willing to disciple and witness to and labor with and serve food with and and go door to door, whatever it is, if it's producing fruit for the kingdom of God and you've getting your hands dirty working with other people, that is going to bring a quality of life to you that you may have never known before. Can I hear an amen? amen? Can I ask the prayer workers to please come? Because I want to make sure you have a time of ministry. And all I want to simply say is this: and I, I, I always have to do this in my own church too. But all of us need prayer at all times. Um, so do this with me. Stand if you would. Let go of the seat seat backs in front of you. Let some blood flow through your fingers again. And I I just want to say this, and maybe we'll get a few more people here uh, to pray. I'd just like to invite you to come if you have any prayer need. Obviously, if you want to make a relationship with Jesus Christ, these people are here to pray for you. If you feel like at one time you had a relationship with Jesus Christ, and maybe you've wandered so far that you're not even sure He remembers you, and He does, but you want to start that over, come forward. If you have a need for healing, these people will pray for you. So, anything, but in particular, if you're a person today and you're like, yeah, I want satisfaction in new levels, I want joy in new levels. I want to have fruit in my life. Then I would recommend the best way to start is to come forward today, let somebody lay hands on you. And uh, we believe when people pray, God hears, God answers. I don't know how he's going to answer, but he does. So would you just begin to come forward if that's you today, just while the music's playing, and take advantage of being prayed for. These are people you can trust, You can tell them as much as you want or as little as you want about your particular need.
0: Let's pray. And after prayer, you're free to come and still receive prayer from these ministry teams or be dismissed. Father, we're grateful your word minister's life we're thankful today for how you've touched us in our time of worship and communion as well as now with the word lord send us out this week to represent you to make a difference in our world we give you all the praise in jesus name amen and amen God bless you